Hello and welcome to the Sellerman podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. So this time I'm speaking to another cult figure. We spoke to Martin Gott uh, previously um, and Andy Swinsko described him as a bit of a cult cheesemaker. I would say this guy is too. This is Mike Thompson of Young Buck. So of Mike's Fancy Cheese, they make uh, raw milk Stilton style cheese in Northern Ireland, uh, just outside Belfast. He also has a fantastic uh, retail unit, uh, Mike's Fancy Cheese. They sell simple dairy, cheese, eggs, some yogurt, bread, bit of meat, keeping it straightforward, simple and delicious. And I think the way he does business is really fascinating, real emphasis on local and really engaging uh, a guy as well. So we catch up uh, via Zoom again, um, rather than in person, sadly. Uh, and I hear about how he's been dealing with, with the COVID crisis. In the shop at the minute, um, down in Belfast. So we uh, make Young Buck up in Luke Nards and we did that for about six years and then we opened the shop in Belfast about a year and a half ago. That's Mike's Fancy Cheese, yeah. So like Mike's Fancy Cheese, was, it was like almost, it was an accidental name. Um, so whenever we were trying to, to raise money to get started making cheese like six, seven years ago, uh, one of the things we were going down was like, um, uh, like higher purchase through a bank uh, and we needed to register as a company that day while I was sat in the in the bank manager's office um and he was like what's your business name i was like oh um, <laughs> i haven't thought uh, this far ahead yet like um I, we were trying we were trying to be a bit pretentious and we're like oh we'll know the name of the cheese when we see it and all that kind of stuff uh, and then i've been like reading this old american cheese book and they called fancy cheese was anything that wasn't uh, cheddar so that's where it sort of like just popped into my head. I was like, oh, Mike's Fancy Cheese. Is the Mike's Fancy Cheese, is that retail, is that helping support you at the moment? Because maybe we could, I guess, go back a little bit to the kind of that sort of mid-March. I mean, everyone seems to be talking about Friday the 13th being the day that, you know, Boris announced that everybody shouldn't be going to the restaurants and the pubs and, and everybody's seeing that kind of across the industry, that kind of 80% drop-off seems to be the figure that people are talking about in terms of, you know, trade. How did that moment hit you uh, where you are? Well, it's, it's, it's actually quite weird. We, uh, you know, there's no such thing as, as a, a good time for something to happen. But for us, it was actually like uh, any time throughout the year if this could have happened, this had sort of been like the perfect time that it could have happened, really. Um, we were sort of going into March um, a bit worried about stock levels. And obviously, you've got Paddy's Day over in Ireland and we, we sell a lot of cheese over to England at Paddy's Day as well and, and the one thing I hate doing is saying no to people and I was getting ready for a few weeks of saying to people that they, they couldn't have cheese okay. really um, so and again obviously we had opened the shop about a year and a half ago so this Christmas was our sort of first real Christmas so in December time we didn't really make much cheese so for about three four weeks from middle of December to the second week back in January we didn't make any cheese okay. so all that cheese would have been ripening right at the at the, at the 17th of, of March kind of thing like you know so so we didn't have we were in a fortunate position not to have as big a mountain of cheese lamping upon us as a lot of the UK cheesemakers and stuff like that so first of all it wasn't like complete panic stations you know in terms of you know that sort of way we've also been very cautious like I spent a year two years over in England learning how to make cheese and you just all you heard was horror stories about people you know supermarkets dropping someone and then that their business sort of going under so we were always very cautious to keep ourselves spread as thinly as possible to customers so again lots we do lots of retail direct and stuff like that which again 
it's a lot harder work but then you know it, it wasn't the end of the world in terms of like oh we have a lot of food service but our biggest customers were like Irish food service really uh, and that sort of just disappeared and we even yeah. ended up buying back some of our stock from from our retailers because we had no cheese it sort of again actually worked out not too bad so then we had <laughs> had some cheese that we were able to flog because i know a lot of producers are, are sort of discovering this world of direct sales uh, you know this as you say it's really hard work because you know you're dealing with maybe 300 customers rather than six you know um but but they're there and it's kind of steady in a sense you know so they're discovering that world but you already you must have been developing a pretty loyal following because obviously it's not just your cheese you sell other cheeses and the bread always looks incredible uh you know so you've got this setup has that sort of helped you as well yeah yeah exactly well that's a, we, we kind of joke because the, the reason we opened the shop was brexit so we were the shop was the brexit proof ourselves um we were sort of worried about shifting stuff north and south in ireland and then obviously shipping stuff over to uk so and the europe we send a lot of stuff out to europe as well so the shop was like okay the, mo- the more cheese that we can sell in belfast then the better um so that was sort of where that came from so that's it definitely it, it helped it, it kept the the cash flow coming in in those sort of first couple of weeks you know um and again we we have sort of you know our shops in a weird part in belfast itself so it's in the city center but it's in like the back end no one sort of really knows about it um we sort of never really pushed it we just sort of like had a little following from markets we used to do uh, these food tours come through us and it's a it's a really quiet street there's a couple of really cool bars beside us and that's kind of how the word of mouth really got around and that's we sort of said just since this all things happened we've had this like new raft of customers who um had never heard about us finding us because we're the only thing in like this group of like six or seven streets. We're the only thing open, <laughs> you know. Oh, wow. So it's it's really ghost spooky town. being. Yeah, it's like a it's like a ghost. I mean, just with like this little one cheese shop over there. So you mentioned the B word. I mean, it's rather been eclipsed by you know COVID nineteen and but but really until that it was all anyone was talking about. You know what? How was how was Brexit going to affect you know our specific bubble? I suppose, but I, I imagine where you are, you you know you you were feeling that perhaps even more keenly than, than over in, in sort of, you know, London, for example. Um, is that still a kind of a present, you know, danger conversation? I mean, how is that going to affect you? It was always like, you know, it was just a grey area because uh, you were getting no clarity on it. So, you, could, you again, you just couldn't plan. You know, we didn't know if there's going to be tariffs. We didn't know if there's going to be like customs moving stuff up and down or moving stuff east or west. Um, so that was, again, it was, wasn't, anything that was be we're a small enough business we could sort of adapt quickly it wasn't going to end it was going to crush us or anything like that it was just the the pain of not being able to plan for it um so again it is still there in the background but with the support we've had through the shop uh, and we've started these like delivery weeks uh, deliveries like we sort of are a bit less anxious about it <laughs> because you know if this the sort of support that people are giving us now then it's, we would should easily ride anything out. Okay, so you're sort of light on your feet, really. You're nimble. Yeah, there's like there's three of us across both the shop and and making kind of thing. So, yeah, we're we're very sort of you have no big overheads. The, like I said, like the the shops in a wee weird part of Belfast where the reason we're here is because it's so cheap and no one else wants to be here. The place up in Ards where we make the cheese, it's a business park. So again, very sort of favourable rents and rates. Um, so yeah, we're sort of we, we keep like I'm very low risk in terms of my uh, the way we've always on business. You know, we crowdfunded the money, so we've had no debt hanging over us ever. 
So just all these things makes it easier to sleep at night. What's your relationship with your milk supply? Because obviously the pe- you know the people I'm speaking to are split into two camps. Those that have you know, a herd that need milking, you know, like Martin got, for example, with his flock of sheep, they need milking. And those like yourselves who, who buy the milk in, what's that relationship like? Yeah, for sure. So we're uh, with one farmer. Um, we've been with him for like five, six years, a guy called Smith McCann. Uh, he's about four miles away from where we make the cheese. So it's about 10 minute drive in the morning kind of thing to pick it up. Uh, and we pick it up. Uh, we were picking up sort of four times a week. We're doing it twice a week at the minute. Um, but we've, we've just, we're just very open with them. Like whenever uh, it first hit in, in March, we just sort of said, I'm like, look, we're just going to stop making cheese for, for a couple of weeks just to give us a bit of breathing space and to, to sort of get all the online and get the deliveries and all that sort of stuff sorted. Uh, and then once we got all that sorted, then we sort of were able to get back making. So obviously for him, like we pay a premium for his milk. Um, so he's keen to work with us and th- this year like our whole thing was like we were going to be working towards moving on farm um, but again that's put, probably put a bit of a, a back burner on it uh, at the minute because we can't get and, and is he able then to off offload that milk into the kind of liquid milk market yeah for sure again like we sort of we probably you know we're taking a thousand liters um, four times a week we're doing that uh, twice a week at the minute so you know it's probably about like 15-20% so for him it, it was never anything too bad i think obviously milk price over here's dropped down so he's keen for us to make as much cheese, cheese as we can kind of thing so yeah um so yeah we're sort of like again that's kind of it's been good because we don't have that you know milk coming up behind us uh, that we sort of need to produce um but that's kind of why we wanted to move on farm because again it, we would have been able to make like a like a long age cheese or like develop something where we could have you know used more of his milk to age for longer if we had that space but our our whole unit of an ours is just for young buck and there's already an instant move at the best of times <laughs> so i'd like to sort of talk about two things one is go right back to the uh, the sort of mythological startings of of your journey and cheese living out the back of a car and, and in a moment i'm going to ask for some clarification on that because uh, it sounds too good a story to be true um but, <laughs> but also looking forward to like the ambitions then clearly is to expand your range of cheeses is it also it really interests me so like dave jowett moved onto the farm manor farm you know after an introduction from jason hines to basically if in effect have his own herd so he'd have much more input into how you know what breeds were in the herd how they were fed how they were looked after is there a kind of a, a farming ambition as well as part of the, the this sort of future plan not not for me no again we're sort of very we're happy with our with our milk we're happy with our like our supplier we're happy how he farms again like i don't know anything about that side of things so you know i don't really want to chip in he's doing such a good job kind of thing so it's yeah. more the, the, the like the economics of it and stuff like that so like um you know we pay a rent to somebody and we spend about two and a half hours a day cleaning a tank picking up milk heating up milk uh, and stuff like that um so you know we could be and we're limited we have no space where we could we can grow where we are so pretty much we sort of have a great relationship with a farmer we want to buy more milk from him he wants to sell more milk to us because he gets a better price for it if you know for the sake of a bit of space on his farm uh mm-hmm. if we could get the milk hot and uh and we had space where we could you know store more cheese then we're he's going to be getting a rent for us so our rent is going to him again which is favorable to him 
and we're getting a bit more space. Um, with those two and a half hours that we're saving in the morning, picking up milk and heating it, if we were getting it warm, we would have a bit more time to look at doing another cheese. So it's just like the sort of like, I, I'm very much, uh, I just like whenever things work very smoothly. Uh, Smith is the same, like, you know, he, he farms not, you know, trying to squeeze as much milk out of the cow as possible. He sort of is a guy who enjoys a cigar at the weekend and stuff like that. So, you know, he's very much like if his cows are happy, healthy, giving them milk and not giving them any bother, you know, that's kind of what he's striving for. Uh, and I think this, those two uh, philosophies sort of work well to make good milk for good cheese. So let's go, let's go back to that, uh, you know, mythological beginnings um, and tell me a little bit about, because you kind of came up, I mentioned Dave Jowett. You, you were you you were sort of learning the the cheese trade at the same sort of time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we so we were the the, the first uh, cheese ones to go through at the School of Artisan Food. Um, so that's where I sort of met Davey. Um, and yeah, so again, like I sort of you know city boy, no farming background. Um, was doing social work out of school because that's what you did. You went to university, but like pure hated it. Uh, it just wasn't for me. So with social work over here, you get like a big grant, you get your student loan, you don't have to, you don't have any fees to pay. So this all like landed in my bank account one Christmas time. Uh, and I just got a bit fed up and just sort of like jumped in my car one night, left a couple of months rent on the table and then just went and spent it all. And then after a couple of months living room, driving around the car, uh, I had to come back and, and, and pay it all back. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah so then I uh, that's how I ended up working in a wee deli um was because again he had a big business and stuff like that so she's looking for like a little like mom and pop store kind of thing there was just like a little family run deli uh and I just fell into there and then that's where I got the interest in in food and cheese and stuff like that like so I was there for like about four years and just loved the fact that you know, you know we would sell Duras and Gabine and it would be like you'd phone you'd phone Jaffa or you'd phone uh, the Fergusons and they would just send stuff up so that was where it gave me a first idea of oh there's a person behind this product kind of thing um, and that you could maybe do it and then the School of Artisan Food sort of opened up and I was writing a little stupid cheese blog at the time it was a sort of six degrees of separation where I put up a music video and try and link it to something about cheese and stuff like that and then that's when I came across the School of Artisan Food and uh, and then yeah just sort of fell into that really. I've noticed a lot. You're seeing some success with these kind of uh, virtual tastings. How are they going? Yeah, yeah, they've been really good fun. Like, so again, we've uh, like we would have always like again before we even had the shop. Uh, like, there's a lot of friends of ours who at the coffee shops and stuff like that. So right from the very start, uh, we would have always ran beer and cheese nights in Belfast, like maybe two or three a year kind of thing. Just if like a brewery opened up, we would like do like a big massive one for an opening. Christmas time we would do a handful uh, and bits and pieces like that then whenever we had the shop we tried to run them as often as we could so our in our shop everything was on wheels so we could just push all the fridges to the back and throw a few benches out and we did a load of beer and cheese nights in there and stuff um so we had just sort of made sense that while this was all going on we'd be able to, to do that so the, the tastings have been class like we can try and keep it to 24 people so it means I can see everyone in, in one zoom screen uh, which makes it a big sort of really, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it makes it really good fun. Uh, and we've done sort of, I think we've done four now. Um, and again, we're sort of, we're working our way around. We're friends with most of the brewers. We're very lucky that a lot of, that any brewery in Belfast or Northern Ireland 
all the head brewers and owners seem to love cheese. Um, so it sort of, it, it works out well where we can get a bit of beer for some cheese credit uh, and then drop it around to people's houses on our delivery route. It's interesting, you know, there's this sort of drive for local. You know, there's a real feeling that that, that this whole crisis have re- has really highlighted that the food systems that, are, that we've sort of relied on for, you know, however many years, decades probably, are not are not really working for us now. They're not really sustainable in this kind of environment. And there seems to be a real interest in kind of looking at that, you know, what's on my, you know, what's on our doorstep. You've, you've got people like you delivering delicious cheese, great beer, direct to people's homes. And through doing that, they're supporting businesses in their specific geographic area. It sounds like you were kind of already relying on that network already though. It's not, that's not necessarily a new thing for you particularly. Yeah, for sure. Well, again, that was the, the whole shop. Like, you know, whenever we opened the shop, we were sort of, you know, what are we doing here? Uh, we're going to like do deli stuff and all this kind of stuff. And everyone's like, oh, you got to get olives. You got to do olives. And I was like, why the hell would we sell olives? I've got no interest in that uh, and what have you. So the, the first and foremost, we had a big fridge uh, that we, we wanted to like ripen cheese in. And because we wanted to show people what cheese looked like in its whole form. And then we wanted a good display. And then it sort of like fed in, okay, well, a bit of bread. Uh, a few we've got some really good um, charcuterie just down the road. Let's get some of that in. Um, so that everyone sort of spilled in. You know, we do like like we only do like one or two companies. We don't have like a big range of chutneys or with one cracker again because we're like these are our crackers. We want you to buy these ones. Yeah. Uh, so it all sort of built around. I like had like a load of old eighties um, cookbooks where it was all like cheese and eggs. So cheese and eggs cookery, and that's kind of like love that sort of like old like that's all you need you don't need anything else you need cheese and eggs and bread nice. and a bit of meat and and, and naturally so that's kind of the job and uh our delivery is sort of then filtered into that where where we make the cheese which guys who make yogurt right beside us so we sort of like okay well if we have you know eggs butter cheese yogurt everything that is in this delivery box that we're doing is available in the shop and we've got people signing up the subscriptions with the idea that hopefully once this is all finished, then those people who were signed up to the subscriptions for it will come and get it in the state. So as a, as a way of trying to ingrain people, you should be buying these things every week, not just for your fancy event. You, you'd sort of been future-proofed, you know, by having the store and also fundamentally by the way that you seem to work. It's really interesting that that, you know, much more kind of localised focus seems, seems to have actually worked really in your favour. That's kind of why we... We sort of accidentally opened the shop. I spent the week over at Andy at the courtyards, and then once you see what Andy does up there at the courtyard, and you're if you're a cheesemaker, it'll it'll make you either want a lot more courtyards, or you'll want to do it yourself, kind of thing. Like where it's yeah, you sort of see, you know, since he opened, there's like four raw milk cheeses within thirty miles, kind of thing. I think that's kind of like what we aspire to here. It's like you know, yeah. we've been making cheese for five six years, and there hadn't really been anyone else come along, and that's kind of hopefully with the shop you know, you might encourage one or two that way, like. That was Mike Thompson there of Mike's Fancy Cheese, maker of Young Buck. Uh, yeah, love listening to his take on things, really. I think his approach is, I think, what we should all be aspiring to. I thought it was interesting, the relationship there with the Courtyard Dairy, um, another another business who I admire greatly um, and would love to see more of. So, you know, the Courtyard Dairy South coming to a, an industrial unit near you, I hope. Anyway, um, look forward to seeing you next time on The Seliman Podcast. The Seliman Podcast is produced by me, Sam Wilkin. 
If you want to know more about Seliman, go to Seliman Sam on Instagram and Twitter or check out the website, seliman.co.uk. Thank you.